0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank. Up next, the latest on the K-State Wildcats from the guys of 3Maw john kurtz Derek young and cole manbeck who will get you caught up on all things wildcats from a collective perspective that can't be found anywhere else the latest news the top stories and an insider perspective to keep you in the know three is proudly presented by 360 vodka and now let's begin the show
2: Hello and welcome into another episode of 3Maw. I am John Kurtz, joined by Derek Young from K-State Online, Cole Manbeck, former B writer for the Manhattan Mercury. And we are talking about dudes today. K-State's got dudes. They got another one uh, out of the portal. This time it is Tyler Perry, a guard from North Texas, the Conference USA Player of the Year from last year, and as highly regarded as the number two player in the portal per the athletic. This is a huge land the Wildcats, and we are going to break all of that down. Plus, the Max Ace miss recruitment. K State misses out there, and Keontae has declared for the draft, but still has some college eligibility. So, a lot of uh, loose ends to tie up personnel wise with what's going on with the Cats right now. But first, we need to make sure we thank our great sponsor, Holiday Distillery. Stock up on your 360 vodka, stock up on your Ben Holiday bottled in Bond Bourbon, and uh, raise a glass to the Tyler Perry commitment. Whichever is your poison of choice, uh, just go support Holiday Distillery. They support us, so please support them. Great K-State folks, that I'm sure, are fired up right now, too. But, uh, look, it's been a while since it feels like, I mean, I know the David Castillo thing was not that long ago, but the portal, I guess, has been kind of exhausting, right? I mean, you've had this long Max Ace recruitment that didn't go your way. People have been wondering, like, why why are you not going after wings? Like, it felt like, you know, they, they didn't get crier. It's... Competing at a high level in the portal is a very arduous process. And uh, K-State now finally has a really, really bright, shiny piece to show for it in landing uh, Tyler Perry here. So I guess a part of me wants to just start and say, like, this is it's kind of like an exhale moment. Like, all right, let's go. You have one of those big time players that you were pursuing. And uh, it is it is very, very exciting to see that and have some rewards to show for all the work. DY that went into uh portal season so far for these guys?
3: Yeah, I I mean, uh, part of me understands the panic for for fans because you're still so deep in the process without anyone, you know, laying claim to a Kansas State spot. You still have four spots left, but I can also take you back to last year where it was a little bit more unsettling and and things still worked out. So I think uh, the staff has probably earned a lot of trust and patience at this point. And I would just continue to urge fans to exercise that uh, first and foremost. But and the Tyler Perry thing, I think that was also an, a reason why this staff isn't, they'll never panic, but that's definitely why they weren't, uh, a reason why they were panicking because just my assessment and impression of how this process has unfolded, um, and we're talking about the Conference USA Player of the Year, this is nobody to sneeze at. Like you said, the number two transfer overall, according to The Athletic. Um, just don't look at on three rankings. No, just kidding, because he's the lowest on there at number twenty, still a top twenty transfer. I mean, I think you only had one top twenty transfer a year ago. If that, I'm not sure where Keontae Johnson ended up finishing in the rankings, but I think all along they they felt that this was kinda in their back pocket and that there was no need to rush to panic or, you know, kind of squirm a little bit because they knew that they had one of the best transfers in the entire country. Um, coming their way. It was hard for fans probably to understand that because um, it wasn't a a typical recruitment. Like Tyler Perry, I think, was in conversations with Kansas State the entire time, but he didn't include Kansas State on his list the entire time, not not until there was a Final Four. And you probably had to be a KSO subscriber to really understand that that wasn't really anything to pay attention to until um, it got down to you know, his his last finalist and then made those, what was the final visits to Kansas State and Ole Miss, I believe. Um, He also visited Alabama, Arkansas, Florida. Florida, man, they probably made the biggest push of anyone. Uh, Texas Tech was right there, of course, too. And obviously, um, that's where his coaching staff from North Texas is. And I'm not sure he even took a visit to Lubbock, but did to the, all those other SEC programs. Um, Yeah, it's, it gives you like an exhale moment, um, some some freedom there to operate with, um, and I think a feather in your cap too. I, you know, last year when they landed Keontae Johnson, it wasn't necessarily against the who's who of the basketball world just because of everything that went into that recruitment. Um, this one, um, in combination with David Castillo wanting that recruitment, is what you're seeing as kind of a product of the success that you just had. And of course I'd be remiss if I didn't um, kind of reflect on his connection to Jareem Dowling, the state assistant that he played under at North Texas as well.
2: Well, and Cole, I, I don't mean to step in here and keep it like 10 minutes before you can actually talk, but I, I do. I know I've asked you this once before, like, I still don't, do we know why the recruitment was, it was just such a weird recruitment like that where, yeah, early on you were telling people like, no, they're in on Perry, even though, They're not listed in like his top eight schools, and it just it went so long before K State like came into the view of this. Is that because there were? Is it K State's coaches trying to keep things on the down low with all of that? Is that what it is? Is there concern about you know I mean Texas Tech obviously Grant McCaslin a lot of connections to Dream and those guys like I don't what what are we thinking is the the reasoning here?
3: Yeah, I just you know I don't know without a shadow of a doubt hundred percent. So don't take my answer as gospel. But a few things kind of come into my mind, one being, and and I know it doesn't necessarily make the most sense because he wasn't fearful of including Texas Tech, but I think including Kansas State, he felt and others felt that that was probably going to be quite the tell um, of where his recruitment was headed. And that's probably the case, and I know it's not consistent with how he treated Texas Tech considering he played for Grant McCaslin and Matt Brower. In Denton, but at the time uh, they released his top four, and you see, both Kansas State and Texas Tech. Well, every insider and their brother just immediately said, "Oh, this one's done. It's going to the K State." So I think that was perhaps part of it that he wanted to be considered available and not glossed over by any certain program. Mm-hmm. I think, I think Kansas State also was probably, you know, seesawing their prioritization of guards as well and probably had conversations with him to say, you know, keep this, you know, maybe as concealed as, as you are willing to as well, because um, it, it's hard to balance out. I mean, because it, it wasn't, and I don't know if there was a, a one, a two, a three and a four, or if it was one, it would be once c went d. I don't know that, but I know that sometimes that's hard to, Recruit all those guys at the same time, knowing that you only have a finite amount of spots, and there's only one ball too. So there was Max Asmus, there was Tyler Perry, but there was also Aaron Estrada during um that recruitment as well. Estrada,
2: don't even don't get me started about Asmus and Estrada guys. Go ahead, Cole, save me from myself. Well, uh on the the note of
4: Estrada guys, so. Uh, Tyler Perry had an offensive rating of 1.25 last season at North Texas that would have ranked number 54 nationally. Here are the offensive ratings of other guards that K-State chased in the portal. Max Asmus, 1.23, lower than Tyler Perry. LJ Cryer, a 1.18. Aaron Estrada, a 107.5. Yikes, that's pretty low. Uh, Jameer Nelson Jr., K-State didn't chase him, but he was one of the top five six guards in the portal uh, went to TCU, a 105.8, Jalen Cook, uh, the two lane transfer point guard that was very highly sought after has an offensive rating of 1.06. Walter Clayton, Iona transfer went to Florida 1.19, Jalen Cohn, another top transfer guard 1.09. Tyler Perry had a, a better offensive rating than all of those guys last year. Uh, Max Acemus, uh during their junior seasons the year prior, had a 1.16 offensive rating, and Tyler Perry had a 1.23. And if you want to compare it to, like, Marquise Noel, and keep in mind, obviously, Marquise is going up against significantly harder competition in the toughest league in America, so you have to take it with a grain of salt. But Marquise's offensive rating this year was 1.13, Tyler Perry had a 1.25. So uh, to put that into perspective, I mean, you could make an argument that Tyler Perry is actually the best guard that K-State chased in the transfer portal. He's an elite offensive player. Bart Torvik has a stat that's called Points Over Replacement. P-R-P-G is the acronym for it. It's become popular over the past few years. It was developed to better incorporate usage rate, and it essentially measures how many points a player contributes to his team over the course of a game over what a replacement player would provide. It adjusts for the strength of opponent, pace of play, usage, etc., Tyler Perry had a PRPG of 5.5 this season, which was tied for 13th best in the entire country. Some of the guys that were in front of him were Zach Eadie, Jalen Pickett, Trace Jackson-Davis of Indiana, Drew Timmy, Chris Murray, Oscar Cheeway, all of these guys, all-American status. Out of all the players remaining in the transfer portal currently, Paris has the highest points over replacement at 5.5. The next closest is Ray J. Dennis, the talented guard out of Toledo that just recently entered the portal, and Hunter Dickinson at a 5.0. Out of all of the players who've entered the transfer portal this offseason, Perry's points over replacement of 5.5 was the second best. For perspective, Max Acemas, 5.2. So this is a very, very talented guard, an elite shot maker, one of the best three-point shooters in America, 41.3% from three this past season, ranking 18th best in the country over his last two seasons, 184 out of 445 from three, and a consistent average of 41% from three, and he shot 44% from three in his two seasons at Coffeeville Community College. So if you factor all of those numbers combined over four seasons between Juco and at North Texas, He's a combined 343 out of 807 from three, which is an average of 42.5% from beyond the arc in four seasons. And just this last year, seventh in the country with 112 three-point makes. So elite scorer, elite shot maker, and now he's going to a a better offensive system in the Big 12 uh, at Kansas State
2: with Jerome Tang and playing a much faster pace. So I was about to say, Cole, like he did all this, and like Grant McCastlin has this reputation of playing this like Hello, methodical, plodding brand of basketball, like kind of a boring, I guess, close your ears, tech fans, just kind of a boring brand of basketball. Now, they, I mean, they've been successful doing it, but yeah, you would think that some of those numbers would stand to, uh, to go up and improve. I mean, maybe it's offset by the fact that you're going to be in the Big 12, but uh, I'm sure for him, it has to be appealing looking at what K-State's offense looked like last year and saying like, hey, man, I get to come to this now all of a sudden instead of what I was doing at, at North Texas.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think so. I mean, North Texas, less than 62 possessions per game last season, dead last in the country, 363rd, and they were 357th out of 358 teams in 2021-22 in pace at 62 possessions per game. So, yeah, I, I think the pace, that's a big factor. You know, you also have to think about it, guys, like, These are impressive numbers given what Conference USA was this year. This is a much better league than it's been in the past. I mean, you remember FAU, unfortunately, in their Final Four run. That's a team that won 35 games, top 25 team. North Texas won the NIT, Tyler Perry's team, and they were playing UAB, another Conference USA team uh, that was in the NIT championship as well. Charlotte won the CBI, another Conference USA team. Jeff Sagarin, I think, rates Conference USA around 10th in the country out of the 33 conferences this last year in terms of performance. Uh, UAB, FAU, and North Texas were all top 50 Ken Palm teams. If you look at the net rankings, those three teams were all in the top 40 of the final net rankings. So a good league that he did this against this year. And you could look at games like against FAU, for example. He played FAU two times, and as I mentioned, that's number 17 team And Ken Palm went to the final four, obviously. And in the games against FAU, those two games, he averaged 18.5 points per game on 52% shooting from the floor and 53% from three in those two games. So, in fact, if you want to look at North Texas played 10 top 100 Ken Palm teams this year, guys, and in those 10 games, Tyler Perry averaged 21 points per game, shot 47% from the floor, and 43% from three. So a guy that's done it against tougher competition, he, his junior year he scored 23 against KU on a neutral court shooting 50% from the floor. So he can do it against anybody. He's an elite shot maker. And, you know, one of the things that he's really great at, guys, he can make shots all over the floor, logo threes, just like Marquise, uh, can shoot on the move, shoot off the dribble. He made 45% of his shots off the mounts this season per synergy. He was the second most efficient shooter in the country off the dribble among players with at least 100 attempts this last season.
2: It's all great, man, and I, I think underscores the point. Like that, this dude is a dynamic scorer. Whereas you know everybody was so locked into the recruitment of of Max Aesmith between K State and Texas there down at the end much more like distributor point guard kind of a guy as opposed to, I mean, obviously can score two, but th- this is not, that's not what Perry is going to be right. Different sorts of players here. Dy, a couple of things I think that just need to be differentiated here. One, I would say different style of player here and what you're getting in Perry. Uh, they, they definitely would have taken both of those guards and love to have them. And then two, I think Cole and all of us have done a pretty good job of underscoring the point here. Like you, it should not be like, Oh, this is like, a disappointment that you're getting Perry and, and not Ace-mas. I For whatever reason, the Acemas recruitment just really took off so much, and maybe the fact that it was Texas that you were up against, I don't know. It just, the way that that recruitment played out, it felt like everybody was so much more invested in that than what has happened with Perry here, which can be unfair to him in some ways when you look at it and say, hey, a lot of people would tell you that this was actually the better get of the two.
3: Yeah, at least rank wise there's not much differentiation between the two, Max Acemas and Tyler Perry, but they are two different players. And I can understand the argument <clears throat> that maybe the style of Max Aismis or the component that he would have, you know, provided Kansas State with is probably more of a necessity at this point. Um, just because you don't have a lot of creators or facilitators, distributors, guys that can create for others and themselves left on this prospect who's Marquise Noel, We basically provided 95% of that a year ago. So you're missing that element and you're not necessarily replacing it with Perry, but what you're replacing with Perry is a lot more scoring than he probably got off the ball. Unless, unless he steps in, you know, maybe he's like the Keontae Johnson to whoever becomes that creator. I don't know. Um, but yeah, two different, entirely two different players. And Perry is more score than anything. Uh, a little bit on those, the smaller side for a guy that would play off the ball, of course, too. So you got to take that into the equation. Look, if, you t- if you're discussing, you say undersized guy that'll probably play the two, um, then are we really saying anyone that's much different than Nigel Pack? Um, they're not 100% identical, but there's probably a good amount of crossover between their games to at least mention that because Nigel Pack, not really a one either. Um, and a guy that could definitely uh, score the basketball off the dribble. Uh, with relative ease as well so and they're both going to have I guess I would say similar defensive limitations although I would argue that maybe Tyler Perry is a better defender than Nigel Pack and that's probably a sigh of relief and maybe you want a little bit more size at the one if you're if you have the luxury of doing so if you're Kansas State not that it's necessarily a requirement if you have Naquan Tomlin and another good rim protector playing the fot. but uh yeah that so that's Things that would cross my mind with that, and I know other people are also going to continue to scream about defense when you're playing, you know, a guy that's five eleven, six foot at the two. But uh, one thing, and and I've I think I've mentioned it in multiple group chats that I'm in, is that not worry as a sneaky good uh, asset here that's probably being overlooked a bit. Uh, yes, the defensive limitations are present, but. He's played in this defensive scheme longer than anyone on the roster, too. and I'm sure that's going to be an advantage that they could or something that they can take advantage of, because remember, being in North Texas, he's played in this defense for two two and a half seasons now.
4: Let, let's Let's hit on that real quick, DY, because I've seen some people concerned about Tyler Perry's defense just because of his size and if that'll be a concern. Perry ranks in the top 10 among the remaining mid-major transfers and adjusted defensive rating, Bar Torvik. He had a defensive rating of 95 last season. That's really good. In his two years at North Texas, he had a defensive rating of 94. That's better than anyone on K-State's team this past season.
3: Yeah, and I, I think that's important to note. Um, and the only asterisk I would put on that is he has benefited by playing in a great defense. Like, that? just their team defense helps him out with that rating as well.
4: Yeah, I mean, it, you have to be a at least a decent defensive player, though, to play for Grant McCaslin in North Texas. You mentioned it. I mean, they were 18th in the country in Ken Palm defense last season, 22nd the prior year. So defense is a huge factor in that. I, I just want to note just a couple other things that I, I love about Tyler Perry, guys, and I think probably why K-State's coaching staff was in love with him as well. This dude is a winner, all right? He went 53-11 and 11 in his two seasons at Coffeeville Community College. He won the junior college national title as a sophomore there. He scored 18 and had 11 assists, or 7 assists, I'm sorry, in the JUCO title game, and was named the MVP of the NJCCA tournament, the, the JUCO National Tournament. I can't say the acronym, but he was the MVP of the JUCO National Tournament. And at North Texas, he led the team in scoring each of the last two seasons. Leading North Texas to a 31 and 7 record this past year in an NIT championship, his junior year they went 25 and 7 in Conference USA. He was part of two teams that went a combined 32 and 6 in league play, including winning the regular season conference title last season in 2021-22. So the season prior, overall in his four year career, he's 109 and 25, won 81 percent of his games. His senior year of high school, he made the game winning buzzer beating three in the the state quarterfinals. Uh, scored 37 in that game uh, to lead them there and one other thing I mean he'll do whatever it takes to win I mean in 2021-22 as a junior at North Texas he made Conference USA all first team and was the league sixth man of the year he played 31 games but he started just one he was willing to come off the bench despite leading North Texas in points per game at 13 and a half and there's a huge clutch factor here guys so You know, I'm not going to say he's Marquise Noel, but this is a guy that comes up in the biggest moments. His junior year, he made a game tying or game winning basket in the final four seconds of five different games. That was his junior year. This last year, he shot nearly 60% from three late in games. So this is a guy that, you know, really comes up big in the biggest moments and uh, on the biggest stages and games.
2: What what qualifies is I'm I'm just curious here, Cole. I don't mean to put you on the spot. What qualifies as late
4: in games? I was trying to say uh, yeah, yeah, I was trying to I, I, under I believe four maybe. I under four? yeah, I believe it's at the under four. Um I was trying to completely clarify that as uh as I was researching it, but I believe it's the the under four minute mark that he was shooting nearly sixty percent from three. And he's also like we talk about an elite shooter. I mean 87 percent from the free throw line this last season and his two years at north texas he shot nearly 86 percent uh if you count coffeeville as well he's 498 of 593 from the foul line over his four years at 84 percent and he had a free throw rate guys of 44 which is free throw attempts divided by field goal attempts that's a really good free throw rate if you want to get it into perspective here again i mentioned other guys chasing in the portal aaron estrada had a free throw rate of 19, Max A. Smith, 33, L.J. Cryer, 18, Jalen Cook, 27, uh, et cetera. Marquise Noel this last year had a free throw rate of right around 44, so right around where Tyler Perry's at. Noel's career free throw rate is 34. So this is a guy that gets to the foul line a lot as well, and he knocks him down.
2: Yeah, that that, that being the point there to underscore that free throw rate. like he is, He's getting to the line a lot. He shoots it excellently from the free throw line great three-point shooter, clutch, uh, has come up in huge moments, wins, uh, unselfish, uh, lots of traits to really, really love about this guy. Um, and uh, the primary competition here, I mean, being like Florida, Ole Miss, Texas Tech, like, I guess my last question here before we take a break and get off of the, the Perry discussion, DY. i I'm like, I'm listening to that and I'm like, I don't know what, wouldn't there have been even, you know, that's, Pretty solid level of competition, but why is this guy not like a total national recruitment sort of dude out of the portal?
3: I think you can make the argument that he is. I mean, okay. Alabama, I mean Alabama was number one for how long? Arkansas wanted him and would have taken him, and they are probably the best team in the portal. Okay. I think Duke and Kentucky are pretty liberal when it comes to the portal. I think and and how they go about it too. So. Uh, Texas, you know, they kind of locked in, locked in on Max Aismas. I, I guess I'm good I good zag, not knew they had Nimhard, right? So I, I think there was probably about eight to ten guys that were probably on the same platform, and you had the best programs chase them.
2: Arkansas and Bama, those are good points, and I, I guess I wasn't aware, didn't pay enough attention to that being a part of there because, I mean, Arkansas – goes after anybody really good in the portal and seemingly lands everybody i don't know arkansas i feel like is going to roll out with a roster of 30 guys next year so somehow they continue to do that and obviously Bama. i mean it felt like k-state was butting up against alabama with about everybody that they've been chasing in the portal so far so look the max ace miss recruitment did not go the way k-state wanted it to he is headed to texas we'll break that down coming up next
1: thanks for listening to kc sports network make sure you download our new app find it on the app store or google play
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Entertain.
1: Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.
2: All right, on the Max Miss front, uh, Heat Show, it was literally, I was like, Luckily, it did not ruin draft night because Felix wound up going on the last pick of the night to the Chiefs. But I was sitting there like, dude, Max, can you read the room, buddy? Like, you got to throw this out there at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock on Thursday, like right going into the draft. I enjoy the draft a lot. It was in Kansas City. I was all excited, fired up to go. And then I've got to read your I'm coming home post uh, right in the middle of all that. Like, come on. man! But it was disappointing. That That was, I don't know. I feel like it was... Beyond just the player, it's like the fact that you're going up against Texas. I mean, it's a school in the league that you know you're going to play, and it's it's Texas. We all we all hate Texas. Um, you wanted to see – this was just one I really wanted for Tang to uh, – for, for recruiting prowess sake. I mean, honestly, a lot of things that are probably stupid that I kind of cared about too much. I think we were all sort of invested in it uh, from that standpoint. So, I don't know, D.Y., take us through just the aftermath of this and and what it all means in case they missed out on Acemas.
3: The importance of it was that he was kind of the creator, uh, high usage player that they kind of need to fill the to backfill with what they've lost from a year ago. But I guess one thing I want to tackle personally, I guess to to start this off, is that it wasn't time wasted. It wasn't as if they were locked in on him and just let other people go. They still did their homework on other people. They were still pursuing others, even if it wasn't on the surface, um, to, to call it a mistake to, to chase the number two player in the entire transfer portal and come up just short is asinine. I think uh, they nearly pulled this off uh, for it to be a 50-50 battle between the Wildcats and Longhorns. It probably started off much more in favor of Texas than even that in the beginning because I know you know, folks that were much more plugged into the East recruitment than I, at least at the start, just considered it a slain dunk by Texas and then even they had to back off of that a little bit towards the middle of that process because Kansas State had made such a large impression on he and his family. So to call it a waste of time is just asinine. and and they are, you want you want to compete for Final Fours and Championships. These are the kinds of battles that you have to win. And you can't win them unless you're willing to take those risks and win them because you recruit at this level, there's going to be a the heartbreak. This is the the recruiting level required to win at this level, and you have to pursue these guys, and guess what? That means it is going to be more heartbreak. Um, It it does mean more nationally recognized losses, but it also means more nationally recognized wins, too. At no point in the past were they landing, according to The Athletic, the number two transfer player in the entire country, or according to every recruiting service, the, the, the top 30 high school player, David Castillo. With great wins comes great losses. Um, Do you think Duke bats a thousand percent, a hundred percent? And every year they do not. They lose kids. Um, Everybody does. So it was not a waste of time. Um, Those are the things you got to do. But you got to backfill afterwards to make up uh, for that loss. And look, they're going to lay in Tyler Perry, what, four or five days later. So not at all concerned. Um, It probably came down to him feeling... Like, play close to home was probably, uh, if I were to read between the lines, play close to home probably broke the tie between the two because I think he felt usage-wise at Texas, there was probably a pretty good fit there. I think they sold that pretty well from what I understand. And at Kansas State, he probably looked at last year and was like, man, I can go in there and be Marquise Noel, and they sold that well. And I think he was pretty bought into that idea. So I think that's probably what Adam torn. Um, he liked the presentation of both sides, and at the end of the day, what what's got it? What's going to be the tiebreaker? And I think it probably ended up being that he's from Dallas, played like at Jesuit High School. Um, Texas pretty easy to get to for anyone who wants to watch him to play. So I, I think that's what ultimately it came down to. But this was a worthwhile pursuit if you're Kansas State.
2: Well, well, now that Rodney Terry has fumbled away every single member of his 2020 yeah. recruiting class, I mean, there's uh, plenty of minutes around there for Max Smith to go play, you know? I mean, great job, Rodney. Um, but, yeah, I, I will I will just tack this on, too, D.Y., to what you were saying about the time-wasted thing. It, it, if we – I mean, it's just like have we – and I know fans are going to fan, but, like, have we learned anything? I mean, we learned last year and at the beginning of this year with the Tyler Perry recruitment that we've been talking about. Like, these guys tend to move in the shadows. You know, when it comes to recruitment, they're pretty good at when they want to keeping things under wraps when they're working. It's why you know the entire recruitment process last year was cold stocking Instagram accounts, and I say that only half jokingly, but that's like the only thing you can glean from them is like who they wind up following and trying to trace those trails. like they they're still moving on guys. they're still doing work, and then the other thing is just patience. You know' what I mean patience last year that was the key lesson was patience, and has talked about that that. They they There may have been some doubt at points, but it, it worked out. I guess you could come back and say, well, hey, is it going to work out like that every year? I mean, I don't know, but we, we, we have definitely seen that more high-profile guys wind up leaving later in the process. It's not just all about shooting everything that you've got out there at the first crop that leaves, because then you can wind up in real trouble, and you've already got guys filled up with spots, and then somebody huge enters late in the process, you're not able to get like a Keontae Johnson, for instance, because you would have just taken like a mid sort of wing forward at one point. You would have been in a really bad spot there. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm fully, fully with you. I support that point that you were making 100%.
3: Real quick, it, it's the transformation of that mindset that Jerome Tate's been trying to do for an entire year where Kent State kind of, you know, some of the fans are still stuck in a certain time frame, time period, whatever it may be, a little smaller thinking that if you don't get this that means you have to drop all the way down to here it's not that you think kansas might miss out on Hunter dickinson they already missed out on harrison Ingram. do you think that they're panicking do you think that they're feeling very troubled by their situation they are not and and, then the k-state fans that are are panicking they hear that they're like well they're ku well that's the problem they don't want you to think that way they they want you to think that they're right there with ku and they can do the same you know kind of shit right you miss on a kid, you come back, and you get another really good one. They feel like they can do that. They feel they have that confidence about them that they can do that, and they've already proved that they can do that before. So, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, you I, don't I, do and you, you take big swings, you miss, you go take another big swing. Or you take a big swing, and you get a kid like Tyler Perry, like David Castillo, and you don't have to panic. You don't fret because you know you're good enough to go and get another good kid. That's what the good teams do. And Jerome Tang's trying to tell the fans, we're a good team that can do that.
4: Uh, I think some fans have a mindset of, go after the guys you know you can get, right? And you got to transform that mindset. I mean, I hope no one listening takes it personal, but I think that's a loser mindset. You got you to swing big. And this staff thinks they can go up and beat anybody on the recruiting trail. And people that think that way probably thought that they were wasting their time with David Castillo until the moment they landed him, right? And then look. Now they're all excited. You got a top 30 guy, one of the best point guard recruits in America coming in next season in 2024 because they swung big and they won that recruitment. Look at them being mentioned now with Ron Holland, one of the top five players in America who just decommitted from Texas, and they're listed as one of the six or seven teams by John Rothstein as players in that recruitment. I mean, in the past, K-State wouldn't have targeted those types of guys because they would have thought, oh, there's no chance of winning it. But that's just recruiting. And if you swing big, like D.Y. said, you're going to miss on some of the top tiers. But I'd rather them go for the home runs uh, and have that winner's mindset that they can win those recruiting battles. And, and so I think that's, it, it's a great thing. And it's definitely not time wasted. I mean, you batted 50% between Max AMS and Tyler Perry. If you want to include Estrada, you could, but didn't get him to visit. So yeah, it, you swing 33% even on top transfers. That, that's a great number.
2: Yeah, well, and you know, even if you even if you include Cryer and say, hey, it was one for four. I mean, if you're think about the competition you're up against for all of those guys, like it's Alabama, it's Texas, uh, it's Houston. Like these are great elite programs right now, and that's that's not really that bad of a percentage when you're when you're swimming in those types of waters. And uh, yeah, I mean, just the fact that we're having that conversation uh, after where things were a year ago and the waters that they were swimming in then to where we are now is unbelievable. And you throw another year of um a really good another really good season and then look at the portal next year and see what waters they're swimming in. I mean it just it's it's incredibly, incredibly exciting. So yeah. Nothing but optimism for me on that on that
3: front. That Do you think Baylor because they weren't getting Max Acehmus? No, they wouldn't got Jaden Nunn or or going to get Jaden Nunn. I don't know if he's announced. And there's a pretty big gap between Ace and Nunn that's probably wider than that of Acehmus and Tyler Perry. So like what are we doing here? I don't.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sucks. Would have loved to have landed Um uh, Here's the good news. You get a chance to go beat him into the ground this year out on the court. You can go beat him and uh, take, take Ronnie Terry. I know you, okay. you've been boiling with Texas hate ever since this happened. So I don't know. I'm not sure what you're talking about. TY. I'm nice, nice and happy, man. Very, very cheery. I'm just celebrating Tyler Perry. Okay. There's no negative energy here from me at all. This celebration of Tyler Perry, and hey, maybe uh, maybe Keontae Johnson celebration. No, no, no. We'll talk about we'll talk about Keontae and uh, his prospects coming up next.
1: You're listening to KC Sports Network. We'll be right back after this. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network.
2: Okay, so speaking of the portal, one thing that has been a question a lot of people have asked is, like, what about wings? Like, with Keontae going to the draft, which was assumed to be a formality for a long time, he finally did put out that note saying that he was going to declare uh, the day of the deadline. Most people assuming that the whole time, you're like, okay, well, you're obviously going to go need a a wing or a forward. Why is there no real mention of that? It didn't seem like K-State was being mentioned for anybody you have the Tyson kid from Texas Tech that you know Kansas is heavily involved in the recruitment of now, and you wonder, like, why why isn't K State jumping in on that? Well, now we see Keontae at the end of his um, his post about going to the draft. He says, "But I am going to keep my college eligibility." And you start to think like, oh, well, that's interesting here. I mean, a lot of the the talk on Keontae would be maybe kind of a tweener, uh, second round pick. It's not like this is going to be a ton of. Super guaranteed money. You can put together pretty nice NIL packages for kids. Like, is this what they're thinking? Like, hey, there might be a legitimate chance that Keontae comes back, and thus the patience part once again. That is why they have not been heavily pursuing a wing. Uh, How much legitimacy is there to that theory here, D.Y.? I
3: think there is legitimacy to it. It it just differs on the extent of how likely it is and that depends on who you talk to really i I hear from a couple of different angles that it's definitely something that is under consideration if some of the nba draft discussion isn't favorable to him or to his satisfaction and then i still hear others that say that you know it's probably still a one percent chance or less um situation where he would return uh to college so uh I'm not really putting my name on anything on how this is going to unfold the, on what the outcome will be. And and that means I'm not even prepared to say that I'm ready to put my name on him not coming back because I think both scenarios are still in play. And you know, I just haven't heard a concrete enough, you know, statement from any real um perfect source on the matter to suggest that I really know which direction it's going to go but I what I am safe with saying right now is that I think both um, items are in play both items are being considered and I don't know which one is more likely than the other but I would still lean towards him um, going the professional route but I still don't know that that's really been determined at this point
4: I would say it's uh the chances of him returning are obviously a lot better than any of us probably thought during the season or after the season. Uh, I would say it's closer to 50-50 than I would have ever imagined. I'm not going to say it's it's 50-50, but I I think it is somewhat close to that number. I mean, I, I think there's a real possibility here based off information that we have that this is something that he has seriously considered. And I mean, D.Y., you, you you followed the NBA probably a little closer than I do. Second-round contracts are in the NBA, they're not guaranteed, right? I mean, a lot of these guys, if you're drafting in the second round, you don't get a guaranteed deal. You don't, you're not guaranteed to make the team or anything. Well,
3: I think that's really up to the club, but I don't think it's common for sure.
4: Yeah, and so a lot of those second-round guys, they get cut or end up in the G League, right? And the G League salary is, I think, under 200 I don't know. I the NIL package case they could offer is is gonna be more than what the G League would be. I'll just say that. So um we'll we'll see what happens. But that there could be some legitimacy to why they're not really chasing any wings right now. I believe the NBA combine is May fifteenth through the twenty first. I assume Keontae will get an invite to that and then We'll have an idea. The deadline, I believe, is June 12th for him to pull out. I think we'll have a pretty good idea close to the end of May where he stands in the NBA process and make a decision. To pull out
3: and still have
4: college eligibility, I believe it's May 31st. Okay. So even even sooner. So Memorial Day weekend when you guys are out at the lake, you know, at Council Grove City Lake with me, we'll be popping bottles celebrating Keontae coming back, boys.
3: Uh, hopefully it's warm by then, I, Ted. Uh, I'm
4: I'll jump in an
2: I'll jump in an ice cold lake, uh, you know, uh, if Keontae comes back. Well, so I, I guess the the question here then dy becomes so what? And this is a part where I I mean I probably should know these things, but as far as like portal windows windows opening and closing, like so if Keontae is to stay in the draft, like depending on when they figure that out, like what what are the options there? What are the time frames of them when you can start searching for a, a replacement if they're not going to do that as of right now?
3: I would imagine they're doing that, but
2: okay. they're just doing it in the shadows. You think right now,
3: that or they just got someone on the, you know, the back oven there just waiting. You know, you never know. Like there's two guys worth mentioning here because their uh, futures I don't think have been a hundred percent determined. And I don't know that I think or here's one Dylan Mitchell right from Texas. He was recruited by Eric at Kansas State. Uh, not in the transfer portal yet, so I don't think that there's obviously there's no contact being out here, but he is in the NBA draft. I believe I think he declared for the NBA draft, and so but he's not a graduate transfer. So Texas is not certain that he's coming back next year, whether that's portal or draft. That I think most people are aware of that. He has ten days because the the basketball transfer window closes on May 11th, so. If May it comes and goes and he's not in the portal, then it's Texas or NBA for him. So that's one name to consider. He's a wing. Um, Julian Phillips, right? Kean State recruited him at right no. at the tail, tail end. Uh, he played for Rodney Perry for a little bit. He is not in the transfer portal either. Tennessee is still, I think, jockeying back and forth with him, whether that's going to happen or not. So it's the, kind of a similar situation as Dylan Mitchell, but at Tennessee, and again, he is in the NBA draft. Does he stay? And they both could just stay in the draft too. That wouldn't shock me. Um just because of their upside. I think both could still get into that back end of that first round. But that's two wings maybe worth at least monitoring if you're Kansas State, whether or not they enter the transfer portal in the next ten days. Um but so that yeah, yeah. So that kind of answers your question. There's ten days to for someone to enter the transfer portals between now MA11. and May eleventh. another thing maybe to I should say two two things. May 11th is the deadline to enter the transfer portal. These guys can still make decisions after May 11th. That's not a, like a commitment deadline, right. that's an entry deadline. Also, graduate transfers don't have that deadline. They can enter the transfer portal at any time and still be eligible to play games in this upcoming season. So, and I'm not trying to put this out there because I don't think it's happening. But technically, Keontae Johnson could enter the of portal at any point and be eligible next year.
2: Uh, I, and, no, and, but see, doesn't the, the last thing I was going to say about him? He, he uh, technically he still has to get a waiver, right? If he's going to play this this upcoming right. year, Everyone just assumes that that would happen because of his health situation.
3: Right? He would. He has to get a waiver because he played for like four seconds for Florida on senior night.
4: Yeah, yeah, he'd get that. He, w- he would get that way where the NCAA would be burned to the ground, pitchforks at their, uh, their front door if they denied something along those lines. I mean, it's an important point to make that, you know, Jerome Tang said on the pod last year with us shortly after he took the job that some of the best players enter the portal right up against that deadline because those are guys that they're, there's kind of a tier of guys, and those are the guys coaches are really fighting hard to keep. So there's likely over the next 10 days still going to be some talented dudes that enter the portal, and as D.Y. just alluded to, I mean, some of these guys that are in the nba draft process right now they didn't announce they were entering the portal there's a very good chance some of them announce in the next 10 days they're going to come back and they're going to enter the portal or they're going to enter the portal and stay in the nba draft process still so there's there's still things to be decided and and this coaching staff has a general idea uh from their sources and intel how connected these guys are on on some of the dudes that are going to be entering the portal potentially so I'm not worried I, I think they're uh they're probably in on a couple of dudes that we're not aware of and uh, I'll just say that IG stocking has become much more challenging they uh they are operating more in the shadows with that too i I don't have much action to report over the last few weeks to any of you guys over over that
2: well what one last question DY and I this would have been placed better with the aceMS discussion but as far as point guards go do we have Immediate signs here of other guys that they're chasing there, outside of some that they might be waiting on, as as we talked about in the next ten days. I
3: know things are happening. I just, I'll be honest. I'm not going to pretend like I know something I don't. I don't know any names. I can't throw any at you right now. I'm not going to pretend to know. But obviously, I think that they have stuff in the works that I just don't know about.
4: I mean, Ray J Dennis, the Toledo guard, is is the MAC player of the year. He entered the portal just recently. Yurik Malagie followed him uh, shortly after, but I, I think most people con- consider he's going to be a lock to Illinois. And Brad Underwood, he's from Illinois, so uh, we'll we'll see. Uh, the longer that goes though, that he hasn't committed, maybe K State can get involved.
2: I like it. I like it. Would love would love to be nice to be Brad for a dude, huh? Yeah, be fucking away.
3: You did mention Texas uh the kid that decommitted
2: from texas rod holland too and i i guess technically he would be a wing i believe so maybe you don't was, and that's a you don't it's weird we don't think about it in the same way because i'm a high school kid versus the portal like the portal is so in vogue now but you're right yeah he's the one just recently decommitted from uh from texas shortly after the aces yeah, so, so yep, that could be a wing target could be an option too all right so everybody just patience Patients, they're they're swimming in some, uh, some very talented waters here, and I I've definitely got faith that you're gonna you're gonna like the roster that comes together. Especially, I mean, just think of think of what they've got right now already, uh, which includes Tyler Perry, the reason for this episode. So, uh, congrats to Tyler, congrats to K State and the coaching staff for landing him. And we will be talking to you soon. Appreciate Jordan Foot uh, behind the scenes as always. Thank you to Holiday Distillery. Get your 360 vodka, get your Ben Holiday bottled in bond bourbon. Stock up and support those who support us. For Derek Young and Cole Manbeck, I'm John Kurtz. Thanks for listening to another episode of 3-Ball.
1: Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube, entertain, educate, inform, KC Sports Network.